entertainment. My name is Sir Cal. This is Geek Source Entertainment live on YouTube. Can you hear me okay? Hopefully you can, because I can't hear what you're hearing. So hopefully the mic works. I should have, honestly, should have tested that. Um, but yeah, this is uh, Tech Tuesdays, episode 12, 13, I think. I think it's 13. Um, yeah, so Tech Tuesdays, episode 13. Um, going to be talking about a lot of stuff over the week. There was quite a bit. Um, but yeah, um, if you can't tell, um, for those of you listening later, watching, uh, or listening on the podcast later, I got the Apple Pencil. Um, uh, for those of you watching, as you can see, I've been kind of playing with it, winging it around and stuff. Um, yeah, this thing was, uh, a last minute purchase. I had been kind of wanting it for a while um and uh i've been wanting it for a while uh somewhat not too much um but because mainly for video editing it, it's more precise than my finger um when i'm lining audio and and video up um it is a lot better than um using my finger because my finger you know you're i'm prone to sometimes as I'm pulling my finger off, like pull to the right or to the left or what, you know, and, it, and then that slants my audio over and that's not, um, good. So wasn't very happy. Uh, and so that was the main reason I got it. Um, it does help my thumbnails, uh, make my thumbnails a bit more precise. Uh, but otherwise, um, like, what's funny is, is I was kind of going back and forth, well, do I want it? Do I want the refurbished one? But then a, a friend came over, and we were hanging out. He was going to make a stop at Lansing, um, or, you know, where uh, the our local app store is. And um, and I was like, hey, can, can I come along? And, you know, do you mind if, if we stop at Apple? Um, because I was thinking I was going to get it, and because I've been saving up for a MacBook for a, the past couple of months, um, but then when they weren't unveiled, when there was no hardware unveiled at WWDC, I was kind of like, okay, well, probably by the time, I, you know, taking $100 out for, 85 to $100 out for an Apple Pencil probably won't set me back that much, since it's probably not going to be, it's not even going to be until, like, September, October for when these things come out um that you know a new computer because i don't want the 2016 or 2017 macbook definitely not the 2016 um but the 2017 macbook either because of the fact that mainly i mean i would be totally happy with them because i've read good things for the most part about the performance and editing and stuff like that what i would need it um but the big thing the big problem that i've uh that i have with it is keyboard the the as you know i mean apple is now fighting off i think three i think there was a third uh class action lawsuit filed against them for their keyboard problems with the 2016 and 2017 macbooks and while the 2017 macbooks does have a better system um it's still prone to failure than more more so than other mac um laptops out there so i'm kind of like um i don't want to fork out a crap ton of money for a computer that I don't know if I can re truly rely on um, because they, they're expensive repairs. I think I read that like they're $600 to get the keyboard replaced because it's basically like when, when one button goes, you have to get the whole housing unit, like the whole keyboard housing needs to be replaced. Um, you know, you can't just get that one button fixed. And so that's, a six hundred dollar repair there um and it's not a fun not fun at all so needless to say i'm skeptical and um i don't want to be in that kind of situation so i'm hoping with the 2018 macbooks um i'm going to wait for a couple months see what the reviews are after they come out so probably next year start of next year if they come out in september 
um or at least my my goal is is hopefully november december i can complete my apple ecosystem and get um a macbook pro um but i i have thought about hackintosh um but honestly with apparently the the rumors are that their mac is going to be going towards their own chips their own processors um in the near future and basically that from what i understand that would mean the death of hackintosh so um because of the fact that you'd essentially be screwed if you're not using apple approved processors and stuff so i could be very well wrong um but it's just something that i'm i'm like mm, i don't want to i don't want to play around with and macbooks up until the past two years have been insanely reliable i mean my the macbook that i have right now outside of being really laggy when it starts up and giving me some battery issues is still a really fine machine um you know once it once i get it started once it's started then it's it's okay um it's not too bad for um what i need it to do um for now um i can't do anything heavy which is why i have an ipad pro um and so yeah uh that's kind of my thoughts right now on the macbook how did i get started on this conversation oh yes the apple pencil uh, but basically, yeah, I consider, well, since there's no hardware, um, it's probably not in a, I plan to wait even after the release of the new MacBooks, if they come out with ones, I figured, you know, $100 for a new pencil probably isn't going to set me back that much. Um, it is, for me right now, is the fact that the iPad Pro, the 2017 iPad Pro, is a very fingerprinty screen. Like, it really attracts fingerprints more than other um, phone and, and tablets. frame rate and the that to allow apple pencil it doesn't it doesn't have as much oleophobic coating or something like that so it is more fingerprinty um so having the apple pencil allows for me to not mark my i can do the majority of things i need to do um like scrolling and all that with the apple pencil so it's not a it's not a bad investment if the fingerprints my screen this past week has been a lot cleaner than it normally is because of the fact that i've been primarily using the apple pencil for the for uh the majority of the actions i use um the ipad 4 so yeah um that is that so um going to put that actually away up there my case has a nice little loop for it so i can just kind of tuck it away um i think you might be able to see that on the thumbnail if you're watching uh this on youtube of it tucked into the top of the um the top of the case looks really nice um but yeah let's get into the actual actual news shall we um so first off uh there was the report i don't know if you've heard uh but i had been paying attention about this new um tool called gray key and it was essentially a tool that could plug in to any iphone and basically brute force through the passcode and the lock and get into it um and it was a security flaw a pretty big security flaw granted that and that was worried that it would get in the hands of the police it would get in the hands of people that shouldn't have uh this tech basically uh and it would allow access to all this private information to law enforcement hackers or other excuse me other kind of things like that excuse me sorry um so yeah that's that's uh not not good um especially if you live in in in, in, in a sketchy area um where you might be uh you know um where maybe the police are not so good people if they have a tool like that um that that is a concern i've read you know i did i did um the question was uh was put out there i just remember on the discussion forum of you know what you know are people really in a situation where they're having a you know what did they say they said something along the lines of if i'm ever in a situation where i have to worry about my about a police getting in my phone uh i've got bigger problems and i'm probably in a worse you know i'm i'm uh, i've got bigger problems than if they get can get into my phone um but then someone pointed out you know if you live in this sketchy area um and where where police are not uh as ethical as they should be it can be a real concern 
Um, so yeah, and I remember there 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 was this recent report. I don't remember what city it was, but it was basically you know like it's been this this one this one. Um, there's a recent story of, about them like you know really uh, being brutal to this uh, person that they had as a suspect, um, much more than necessary, and. Uh, and apparently in this one, this one area, this whole police department, you know, has had a history of brutality and they're known as being, you know, brutal. And so it's kind of like, if you live in an area like that, it can be a concern. And then even if, you know, you don't necessarily have to worry about police. What if someone else gets a hold of this stuff? What if, you know, hackers or stuff, because it is a really expensive tool, but as far as I know, I don't think it was just a um maybe maybe it was i don't remember if it was just a police or law enforcement thing but that is still um either way the the kind even if it is just intended for law enforcement you know that if apple didn't fix it it would eventually end up in the hands of someone uh that is not law enforcement that doesn't have good intentions um but thankfully uh the the uh apple has actually um, they actually are working on a patch, and uh, according to a new Reuters report, Apple is planning to release a new feature to iOS that would make those uh, devices useless in the majority of cases, um, potentially sparking a return to the encryption standoff between law enforcement and device manufacturers. And basically, under a new feature, iPhones will cut off all communication through the USB port if they had, if they have not been unlocked in the past hour. Once the hour expires, the USB port can only be charged or only be used to charge the the device. So basically, it's like after an hour of the phone not being used, it cannot be um, you cannot connect anything to your phone and use that device unless you know the passcode um, or if it's touch ID you have your fingerprint or um your face um so yeah that's that's a good thing um congrats on apple uh for that i'm happy to hear that my phone if i am ever uh in the place of sketchy people or just something like that i don't have to worry about them hacking my phone you know through the usb port so or lightning port um so that's good and i think that actually if i remember correctly that came out um yeah, it's it's slated for iOS 11.4.1, and it's it's present in the betas for both iOS 12 and 11.4.1. Um, although speaking to the Verge, Apple declined to confirm that USB restricted mode would be present in iOS 12. So you know so i guess it's kind of like they're in the betas I, I guess i was wrong about that statement they're in the betas right now but that doesn't mean that they're going to be making it in a future release it's in plans to this is something that they have plans for but don't have a a uh uh what's the word they have plans for it but it's not a reality yet so it could be it could be in a, a upcoming update to ios 11 it could be coming uh to ios 12 it could be an update to ios 12 like ios 12.1 i guess it depends on how the bugs with the software are worked out so um yeah it's it, either way good on them for that they're working on it and my coffee's getting cold already um And so, yeah. Uh, and then speaking of hacking and security, um, there was a, and I saw some videos on this. I saw um, uh, Jerry Rig Everything, and I saw a video um, on Unbox Therapy about it, um, about this this uh, new padlock called Taplock that could essentially uh, use your fingerprint to unlock a, a pad like like you know it's those types with the round bottom and then you know it had that little you know look like something like this and then you would unlock it and then you know it'd pop up and unlock you know um a padlock you know but this one unlike you know a type that uses a dial would actually use your fingerprint and now of course the immediate drawback was that the thing is battery powered um and that was uh, the first immediate drawback is that well um if the battery dies whatever you're trying to secure is now permanently locked unless you brought your charger with you um 
But another thing that Jerry Rig Everything proved on YouTube, and it started with him and then just blew up um, with several tech channels like or check journals like the the verge starting to comment is basically the back of the device can be pulled off and then like phillips screwdrivers and then you know you can undo basically the entire device and then uh there was also um there was another cybersecurity company, Pentest Partners, found that the actual code and digital authentication methods for the lock were basically non-existent. All someone would need to unlock the lock is its Bluetooth low-energy MAC address, which the lock itself broadcasts. Essentially, the lock doesn't encrypt any of its data, leaving anyone who's looking for it all the information they need to gain access to the lock and open it up. And so, yeah. Not a very secure lock. Um, there are reasons why sometimes, you know, ancient technology, um, like, you know, uh, keys and padlocks and stuff like that, um, are still standard way past their, you know, initial time of invention and why, um, you know, security, cyber security stuff like fingerprints and facial recognition and stuff on this sort of thing is, you know, for, like, houses and actual items and and stuff is just not catching on um because yeah there's just way more flaws um than your normal standard key or padlock um so yeah that that was honestly a really funny um it was kind of funny because of just how like oh yeah look at this device the future you can get your fingerprint to unlock your 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 um your your locker or you know you secure your bike and stuff like that and or you know of course there would probably be a version in the future that would use facial recognition um and um well yeah um or you can just use a screwdriver pop the back off and unscrew it and take the device apart yeah wonderful um now, another thing uh, that I, I actually have firsthand experience with this because for the uh, next 13 days, 12 days, something like that, I'll be still working for Verizon. Um, I'm, I won't be after that point. Thank goodness. I am so happy to be free. Uh, um, won't, won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but Verizon un, un, unveiled a new uh, unlimited plan. So for those of you that have been following for the past two years of Verizon in 2016, I think they unveiled the new Verizon unlimited plan and the single smartphone of Verizon unlimited plan. Now, um, the benefits for both was you pay $110 for unlimited with the original and you get all these, uh, and you get unlimited data and like a 20 gig cap for congested areas. And so basically you'd have 20 gigs of truly 4G LTE and then once you pass that cap, you still get 4G LTE uh, data un unless you enter a congested area. So um, if you're in a busy city or something, you'd probably notice a slowdown. Um, and with the single single smartphone, that was the same, but for one line, one smartphone, and it was $65. Uh, and then a $20 line access per your phone, and of course your device payment, attachments, insurance, whatever, on top of that. But 85 if you just have your phone, your phone's paid off, you don't have any insurance, you'd just be paying $85, not including taxes and fees. Um, and then, of course, on the unlimited plan for two or more phones, um, normal consumer accounts get up to 10 lines, uh, you would have uh, you would have 110 or not 110, you'd pay $110 and then $20, $20 per line access, um, uh, per line access fee for each of, uh, the phones that are on your account. So, um, you know, for, and then moving forward, they unveiled a dual, um, a dual system, Go Unlimited and Beyond Unlimited. Go Unlimited being the basic unlimited, um, but there is no cap, meaning uh, once you enter a congested area, you immediately feel throttling. While as the Beyond Unlimited, which is ten to fifteen dollars more than its um, than its uh, Go Unlimited counterpart, would uh, you would have twenty to twenty two gigs of a unlimited uh, cap uh, before you saw a slowdown, essentially. So um, now the 
the differences too, the main differences are that with Go Unlimited, you don't have HD video streaming um, with Go Unlimited. Now, I, I, I think that that depends because while they say in the official paperwork that it's only 480, YouTube and stuff, I have Go Unlimited. I go on LTE all the time and I watch YouTube and it's almost always running in 1080p. Um, in fact, I use it more now than I do our home Wi-Fi because I've just found that it loads YouTube faster than um, it does home Wi-Fi. So that right there is something that, um, that, even though that's what the paperwork says, I think it's just a suggestion. Um, I don't think that necessarily means it's true. Man, 20 minutes, no one's, no one's signed on yet. Yeah, starting to get bummed. Um, so then there's... The, uh, now, of course, also, too, with the Go Unlimited, you don't get a um, 4G LTE hotspot at all. With the previous Unlimited plan, the new Verizon Unlimited plan, as far as I know, there was no hotspot limit. Both Go and Beyond introduced hotspot limits. Go Unlimited limited it to just 3G speeds, and you couldn't add a hotspot, a separate hotspot device to connect other devices to. You could only use your smartphone, and it would be 3G speeds. With Beyond Unlimited, you could add a hotspot device, we call them jetpacks, um, to connect to other devices to instead of using your smartphone for like $10 to $20 or $20 a month um, on top of the price for um, whatever the device would cost up front for its two-year activation. And then you would get 15 gigabytes of hotspot at 4G. And then after that 15 gigabytes is used up, it'd go back down to 3G. I have issue with this because it's like the majority of people that we would see coming into my store that would look at hotspots typically look different like gaming and streaming, which is just, you know, nope. Um, don't do that. You will, you, you video and uh, and gaming will use up your gigabytes fast. 15 gigabytes is a small microscopic amount of gigabytes uh, for people who do a lot of gaming and streaming. Um, so that right there was uh, a huge drawback for both of these plans. Um, and honestly, it's part of the reason why I'm tempted to go to T-Mobile's uh, plus one or one plus plan or something like that. Basically, I'd be paying about $15 extra than what I'm paying now, so that would become but um but I would also get a unlimited hotspot. You know, I wouldn't have a limit. Granted, I don't think it'd be worth it because I Wi-Fi has been fine for my iPad lately, so that'd be the main reason why I'd want to use it is hotspot for my iPad for HD video streaming would be the primary usage and lately our Wi-Fi has been stable so I haven't it wouldn't be worth it um there was a period of time there where it just seems like it was it was really bad but I think we found out that um our internet provider was actually working on the cables or something like that I now uh what where was I going with this oh now now they've introduced a new unlimited plan called above unlimited and above unlimited is the same as beyond except it ups the the uh the cap to 75 gigabytes of data so if you live in a big city you can use all the unlimited data you want and not have to worry about getting uh, throttled until after you've used 75 gigabytes of data that is awesome now, the one drawback is that I, I think was kind of crappy is it only added five extra gigs to the hotspot. It's like, so 20 gigs. And it's like, really? Um, yeah. It's $95 per month for a single line. It's $10 more than Beyond Limited. And, um, yeah, so basically you have, uh, you have a... With with Go Unlimited, you start at like seventy five dollars per one line, and then it reduces to sixty five, sixty, and or fifty and forty. Beyond, I think, is like uh, eighty five, eighty, seventy, and sixty. I think, or no, sixty five and fifty. I I can't remember, but it breaks down basically where you pay less per the amount of lines you get, with four or more lines being. Forty, fifty dollars, and uh, I think it's, I think it's, 
40, 50, and 60. I think it's 60 with Above Unlimited. So if you have a lot of lines, this is probably great for you. And the other benefit is, is Verizon now offers mix and match plans. Before, it was one size fits all. So, you know, if you have one person who needs to use uh, a hotspot a bit um, and streams a lot of video, the rest of them all have to pay that same, like, you know, higher end price. Whereas with with this new plan, you can mix in with this new set that Verizon um, has. They mix and match the audio uh, or the audio go mix and match the plan. So one person could be on Go Unlimited, one person could be can be on Beyond, another person could be on Above. Um, it can, it has to stay within unlimited plans. You can't say mix an unlimited plan with a non unlimited plan, but it's still cool. Um, because you would get the lowest price if you have, uh, like say four lines, you would get the lowest price per line for each plan. It doesn't change. Um, so like if you have four lines and someone's on a go unlimited, they're only paying $40 for that line instead of, you know, the high, uh, higher price for it. Um, so I think that's, um, that is, that is nice. So yeah um yeah i i think that's really really nice um for that i like the mix and match uh i i still i i I like the idea of not having of having a really high cap but i'm still disappointed um with the i was hoping for at least double the amount of uh gigabytes for for glte hotspot i really don't get why the hotspot is such a big deal like why is it every plan every unlimited plan throttles you know the hot spot it's like why it's just data they're just using data who i mean what's the difference between if you hook stream you know uh if you hot spot to your tv and watch netflix at 1080 versus if you watch netflix on your phone and set 1080 i don't think that there's that much of a difference um because truth be told on a smartphone that has a high enough pixel per inch you can tell the difference between even 720 and 1080 like um yeah on my phone i can tell the difference between <laughs> between um just those two well maybe not 720 i think 720 is fine but just even 480 looks fuzzy to me on my phone because it's pixel per inch it's as far as what i can understand it comes down to not the screen size but it comes to pixels per inch you know if you have uh if you have a phone that has a lot of pixels per inch they're going to spread a low more pixels out so the pixels look bigger or the pixels are bigger they're fuzzier on those lower resolution um and yeah like that was part of the reason why i was starting to get ticked with my wi-fi because of the fact that you know my my phone was getting regulated to 360 and 480 and it's like p on youtube you know really <laughs> like that the, and youtube is one of the easier um codecs from what i understand for uh when it comes to the compression and all it does it's not as a it's not as big of a strain as other streaming services so um you know yeah um so i really don't get why why a why that matters why the hotspot matters so much that they throttle it um personally if you want my conspiracy theory I, I think there's no difference and they're just doing it to get more money out of you so you'll add that feature plan on or something um so which is why i'd be i'd actually consider going to t-mobile's like one plus plan because the fact that if i wanted to go above unlimited with verizon i'd still be paying taxes and also too with t-mobile um, I'd get unlimited hotspot, whereas I wouldn't with Verizon, and I wouldn't be paying taxes. The taxes are included in the bill. I really like that. I wish more people did that. I wish more stores and just places in general. I always thought thought that as a kid. You know, if we're going to have taxes, why not just include it in the price? So, you know, what you see on, you know, the sticker is what you pay. That the actual price of the item uh, is one thing, and the price uh, that taxes have go, you know, are 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 included in the sticker so you know you're paying you know like yeah it's whatever that's just a rant for another day taxation is theft i say as a libertarian <laughs> um now in other mis miscellaneous news um 
Ooh, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff, actually, that I have um, talking about here. Jeez, Pete, I'm 20 minutes in. I haven't even gotten through a third of my stories I want to talk about. Um, so miscellaneous, um, just something that um, is kind of cool, is OnePlus sold over 1 million OnePlus 6 phones in less than a month. Watch out, Samson and, uh, and Apple. Uh, you're you're going to start seeing some competition. Honestly, that is, yeah. Um, their CEO said the sales benchmark happened in 22 days, and the two previous OnePlus each took three months to reach the same milestone. So, um, which that still is a small number because Samsung Galaxy phones or Apple iPhones can move tens of millions of devices within the same amount of time. Um, you know, so it's still like, yeah, it's still kind of weird. Um, to, to think that, yeah, a phone is selling a million. I think OnePlus, if they keep it up, I don't think they'll ever be maybe quite to the level of Apple or Samsung. Um, but I think they'll, they'll, they'll be a contender for one of the best smartphones just because of the fact that, you know, they, they are delivering a good bang for your buck as of right now. Um, the price has been steadily reaching higher and higher points um, as the years gone have gone by. And so it might be a point where we start seeing $800 and $900 OnePlus phones. I hope that day doesn't happen. But uh, the 5T, for example, is only like $500. And then... are half the price of you know your typical flagship but they deliver most if not all the same features um if you can deal with the fact that they are a bit of a sketchy company they have they do have some poor quality control issues um for one i understand of like certain phones having upside down screens so like There was the incident where you can only get, you can, for one, you can only, from what I understand, you can only pre-order it through their website. And um, apparently with the release of either the 5 or the 5T, um, people's credit card information got stolen. Yeah. Um, not, not, um, Actually, I was wrong. The OnePlus 6 cost $530, not 600 I was wrong. Um, and they do have the drawback in that they also are not supported by CDMA networks. So some carriers like Verizon and Sprint are out. So that does that is a bigger drawback for OnePlus. Darn. I want to be able to add that. I want to be able to add that to Verizon. The OnePlus is actually a really attractive phone. I will say that. Although I wish... Uh, I wish it didn't have a notch. I really hate this trend right now. As and I say this as someone who has an iPhone 10, and I and I think I've said this before. The only reason I ex excuse it on the iPhone 10 is because it is a true compromise in that they need a place right now to put the bezels or put these utilities like the speaker, the camera, and the facial recognition. They needed this space to do it, and so a notch was necessary. If Apple could have had their way, they could have maybe embedded it under the display or something. And had a true edge-to-edge -edge around it. Because the thing that draws drives me up the wall with all of these smartphones is that they're releasing phones with a notch, but then they still have a giant chin on the bottom. The iPhone X at least eliminated the chin by curving the display underneath itself because so that way there's no chin. Um, because the, the and, uh, MKBHD actually did a great video on this where um, he talked about the reason why most phones have a chin is because of the fact that they basically, there's, you know, drivers at the end of the display that need to connect to the, um, to the, the, what's, what, what was the word, the strip or something um, that would connect it to the power or something. Um, ba yeah, basically there needs to be drivers underneath the display. And so the iPhone 10 is the only one that, that actually accomplishes a, a bezel-less, at the bottom, at least, um, display no chin because it actually folds the screen under, so the driver actually goes underneath the screen itself. Whereas every other phone, you know, to 
save costs, um, you know, actually keeps the chin and keeps those drivers under, uh, you know, just underneath the display or at the bottom. Sorry. Um, and so that's what's that's what's ticking me off is, you know, with these phones is they're just embracing the notch because in reality, sure, you can make the argument of, oh, they're saving screen real estate with the notification bar, blah, blah, blah. And while it is nice in the iPhone 10 that um, I don't have as much clutter up there with my notification bar, but it's still like, it's still an excuse to just copy Apple because the fact that in reality, you just keep the screen, the, the top of the screen where it is, make a top bezel and put the notifications at the top of the screen and you know like the samson s9 and stuff and you would really not lose any content because the most mo most of the time if a screw if if an if an item or an app needs to use uh the top of the screen that notification bar goes away okay it's it's not like they're they're always there intruding on the content like a notch is um and if you're going to have a chin make it symmetrical that's my always been my thing. They just it looks poor. Um, the only the only reason why I accept the iPhone X's design is because when you look at the rest of the phone, it is a symmetrical design, and the notch is only there because it needs to be there. Every other phone it just looks like they want to copy Apple. They didn't get rid of the chin, um, and yeah, they're just co they're just copying the trends. Apple, unfortunately, for better or worse, sets the design trends. Um, and that is a rant that I just, just got away from me. And speaking of iPhones, uh, the iPhone 3GS, the very first iPhone, not very first, the, mm, gosh, I butchered that. Let me start again. The iPhone 3GS, the third ever iPhone is going back on sale, but only for a limited time and only in South Korea. Um... And apparently, shoppers in South Korea will be, will be able to pick one up before June is over. The South Korean wireless carrier SK Telink discovered an unsold shipment of third-generation iPhones hidden away in a warehouse, local news service ET News reports. Each one will be sold unlocked for the U.S. equivalent of roughly $20 or $40. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you that is an ancient device, um, in terms of what it is. I mean, it it originally sold for the first time in late two thousand nine in South Korea, um, and of course, yeah, this is again. These are phones that have literally been sitting in a box for you know almost ten years, um. I would be worried that you might plug this in and have them explode because of their batteries. Um, you know, that they're prone to do that. It's not recommended that you leave a device uncharged for a long period of time because when you finally do charge it, you can blow up the battery. It's happened. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually read about it, so of it happening. So, and of course, too, you'd be getting a really stripped down version of the iPhone. You'd still have the um, like 40 pin or 30 pin lightning port. You'd still have the um, uh, you'd still have like I think iOS 5 or 6 at highest. Um, it doesn't have a SIM card tray. Um, or if it no, if it did, it was a larger SIM card. Sorry. Um, and it is only support. It, it's it only supports the 3G cellular network. So if you need to connect, um, if you need to connect to internet, you would need to use Wi-Fi. And again, speeds on both Wi-Fi and 3G would be slower than what they are than you would expect on a 4G phone. Um, and what kind of warranty does this offer? We don't know. Um, it's not. It's a cool. It's definitely something if you live in South Korea and you like iPhone, this would definitely be a cool collector's item, especially since you're only paying like 40 bucks roughly for, um, you know, in, in the U.S. equivalent. But that that is cool.
um nonetheless but definitely not something it's not a recommended phone for if you really need to use your cell phone for more than making calls and texts just saying um and then uh so basically we're i'm gonna keep the apple stuff together so i'm moving moving things around um To basically what you're seeing me do right now live is what you would see what I would what I am doing um like what I am doing for normal um like when I prep an episode essentially but uh, I had um I was busy this morning didn't really get to recording the episode like I had wanted and then I had a baseball game I'm wearing the Philip DeFranco sports shirt <laughs> um because i'm not a huge fan of baseball but actually that the and we didn't even stay that long because it was kind of boring um yeah um you know yeah it was it was kind of boring because like they it was apparently an all-star game for the local teams or something so it's all the best the best and they were performing really well and yeah not really not really fun to watch so because, like, I think we had been there for, we got there at, like, I think we'd been there for, like, two hours or so. And was it two? I mean, I don't remember how long we were there. And just kind of the, you know, there was a lot of drinking going on and two. And it just, they had scored, like, a total of one point in, like, an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Uh, so it was, like... win me over <laughs> be exciting and it just it, it never it never does i don't know um you know i mean i just don't have a general interest in sports anymore the only sport i used to uh follow if you could call it a sport was nascar but then you know jeff gordon was my driver and he retired and yeah, they changed I just gave it up after he retired. Um, and it's probably been good for my mental health <laughs> because of the fact that I'm not great. I remember back when I was like, you know, 11, 12 years old, there'd be days where I'd watch it race that Gordon looks like he was going to win. And then boom, something happens last minute and he doesn't win. Um, and I'd be crying and mad. And yeah, I remember... I remember one race just being like really, really mad um, in 2014 when Brad Keselowski slammed into him and, and wrecked him uh, and cost him the championship. Granted, it was almost worth it uh, because of the fact that Gordon actually and him got into a fight afterwards. And that was really cool to see. But um, uh, yeah, um, that's a whole other rabbit trail for another day. Jeez, uh, of heat. So um, in bad news for Apple... Um, they have been fined $6.6 million after iPhones and iPads stopped working because they had third-party parts. In Australian courts, this happened in Australia, but there was an Australian court has fined Apple $9 million Australian dollars or six points or AUD, sorry, about $6.6 million US dollars for its refusal, refusal to fix iPhones and iPads that had been previously... Uh, repaired with third-party parts. Users reach out to Apple for help when their phones were bricked by Error 53, a software update that made phones repaired by outside parties inoperable. Uh, Apple says it misled it at least 275 million customers, uh, Australian customers. Did I not read that right? No, not 275 million. Just 275 Australian customers whose devices were affected by telling them they were not eligible for repairs. The company has since reached out to 5,000 affected customers, according to Australia's Competition and Consumer Commission. And Apple told The Verge in 2016, when the error first showed up, that it was the result of security checks to make sure the legitimate Touch ID sensor was being used. If iOS finds a mismatch, the check fails and Touch ID including for Apple Pay use, is disabled. Essentially, the error showed up due to a link disruption between Touch ID and, and the company's secure enclave. Although the 
whole device was affected, not just the touch sensor. And Apple later issued its own fix for the problem. So, yeah, um, not uh, not good news for Apple there, um, which I think is honestly good. Part of the problem I have with Apple, as much as I love the company, I think it's it's funny. It's like the right hand of Apple doesn't know what the left hand of Apple is doing. You have the one end in which they're committed to secure uh, – to being pro-consumer in that they're doing things like Safari is cloaking your device as best it can so users can't, uh, so ads can't target you and figure out who you are and stuff like that. And it's making your internet travel more safe. Um, but then you have the other side of things in which they're, you know, fusing the motherboard to the housing or something like that, making it, you know, uh, really hard to repair your own device that you paid good money for, um, forcing you to go to the Apple store and pay high-end top prices um, to repair the device. And then that way you're at, you're anti-consumer. And then, of course, you know, the whole, um, the, like, for that sort of thing of, of there was the whole issue with a uh, similar issue with the iPhone 8s. Um, if you repaired the iPhone 8 and put a third-party display on it, um, you got there was a certain update that bricked the device. Um, like it wouldn't brick it, brick it, but it made the screen unusable. Um, so basically, iPhone 8 users had to downgrade to an older version of iOS until they released a patch for that software that fixed that issue. Um, and so, yeah. Um, yeah. Claim to be totally pro consumer when you're pulling stunts like this of making things incredibly hard to repair and then also pulling things like, you know, if you've gone to another repair shop that isn't an Apple store, then we're not going to service your product. So screw you. Um, that's just, I mean, I'm reminded of the Linus Tech Tip situation. I, I still think Linus should have known what he was doing when he opened the device as part of the terms of service, and Apple isn't the only one who has those kind of terms of service of if you open our device and unauthorized, uh, in an unauthorized way, we don't service it. But it's still just it's still a crappy pra practice no matter who you are. Um, yeah. 45 minutes, and I've not had a single person... Uh, so, yeah, um, <laughs> that's just, so I'm glad to see Apple is actually getting a lawsuit and they're actually seeing repercussions. Um, yeah, um, it's just not, not fun. Um, hold on. All right. Uh, sorry about that. And the Supreme Court will, moving on, the Supreme Court will hear an iOS App Store antitrust lawsuit. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear, to hear Apple's appeal in an antitrust lawsuit over the App Store's structure and fees. Reuters reported the news this morning, and it marks a major step for the case, which has been running since 2011. Bloomberg writes that the court will hear arguments within a nine-month window that starts in October. The case, Apple versus Pepper, argues that Apple's App Store monopolizes the distribution of iOS apps since the store's the only official, officially approved way to download an iPhone or iPad app, and Apple charges developers a significant 30% fee. Plaintiffs are seeking class action status for the lawsuit, saying that this fee has driven up the costs of apps for its consumers. A lower court determined that they had no grounds to sue, but a judge overturned the decision, and the Supreme Court began hearing, began seeking advice on the case late last year. Now the court is officially taking it up. Apple has argued that it created a new competitive market, and it said before that its phone's ecosystems are closed for security reasons since it can vet App Store apps for, for malicious code and other dangers. The Department of Justice has filed a supporting brief backing up the company. If it loses the case, Bloomberg cites a lawyer claiming that Apple might have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars, and beyond that, the suit is taking aim at the whole concept of App Store walled gardens. So other companies with similar marketplaces may also be watching for a verdict. And basically, I I get the idea that, oh, Apple should allow other downloads uh, from, 
you know, other stores, but also, I mean, you can, you can download apps from other websites and Apple recommends against doing that, but you can technically, um, you know, an app that I have on my phone right now for, for my work is a app that, um, was downloaded from a website. And as soon as I'm out of that job, I'll be deleting it because I'll have no need for it. And I don't like the idea of having an app that's not approved by Apple on my device. So, and I do get that. And honestly, the, the one thing that makes me pro Apple in this decision is because I've seen the crap that is on the Google Play Store. Things that, you know, because Google had a lot lower um, restrictions, a lot less like vetting for their apps. You have ads that completely change the way the phone looks. You have um, apps that will promote ads on the lock screen of your device. Um, you have apps that, without telling you, will will install stuff um, and and use possibly your location tracking. We've seen apps do that um, at the store I've worked at, where it's not where they download an app. And then it doesn't even show up in their purchased apps. It doesn't, or it does show up in their purchased app, but it doesn't show up as an app on um, the. It it sh it doesn't show up in like the list of apps that they have. It's literally only found if you look in like all everything downloaded, um, you know everything on the device, including the weird code that you shouldn't touch. And it's and it's like why is that here? Why don't you want to see you uh, there? And then, of course, just the fact that we've seen people come in with, my phone's changed. It's, look, I don't know what I did. And it turns out they downloaded an app. It didn't say in the description, but it's uh, an app that changed the outlook of the way the phone looks. Um, and it's really crappy, sketchy stuff. And I'm glad that Apple does crack down and vet that stuff. Maybe things could be changed to make it a little bit easier for the developers to make apps. But it's just still that I've experienced too many issues with people coming in at, at the at the place I work at with phones that are just, you know, filled with crap because of the ads that or because of the apps they've downloaded. Um, and it's just really I don't like it. Um, so I'm I'm overall an Apple side on this. Um, and. Uh, another report is for Apple is iOS 12 will automatically share your iPhone location during 911 calls. Um, so this is great news. Uh, I did thought honestly that they did it already, but I, it's glad that they that they're doing it. And Apple notes that uh, approximately 80% of emergency calls in the United States are now made from a mobile device. However, outdated infrastructure has made it difficult for 911 centers to quickly obtain a caller's location. And the iOS 12 change builds on Apple's Hybrid, hy hybridized emergency location system launched in 2015 and will be integrated with the existing software on many 911 center systems with the help of emergency tech company Rapid SOS. And so basically now, yeah, there we go. Um, the location service, however, Apple notes, uh, cannot be used for any non-emergency purpose. Uh, so that's, that's good to hear. I'm glad that they, there are already services and stuff that do that. Um, so I'm glad to see Apple devices are now doing it as well. And the last bit of Apple news, uh, that I'll be talking about is, uh, the report that the iPhone 6.5 inch iPhone 10 plus as is tentatively titled is what Apple's is expecting to sell the best, um, next year. So, or this year, sorry. So, they're forecasting that 70 million OLED panels for the new models, according to the report, um, are being made with about 45 million for the 6.5-inch uh, uh, model and 25 million for the 5.8-inch. So, you know, 70 million with more going to the larger uh, displayed phone than the smaller phone that matches the size of the iPhone 10 this year. Um, so yeah, and I can honestly see that. It seems like as the years have gone by, people want bigger phones. They want things they can do more on. The larger screen allows for that. And with the state of phones being, you know, reducing as, as much of the bezel as they can, um, a 6.5 inch phone is honestly not too far from what the Note 8 is. The Note 8 is, I think like a 6.3 or 6 point something, uh, size phone. So a 10 plus, 
uh, in, at 6.5 inches wouldn't be, you know, too big for the market. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I think would be cool with to, you know, it would be interesting to see what kind of software and hardware exclusives comes to those phones. Um, I personally, though, I don't like the idea just because my, my hands are small, say what you will. Um, and, uh, I like the, the, I like the phone design that it is now with it being a phone that is essentially the size of an iPhone six with essentially an iPhone, uh, six plus screen. Um, I think that's the perfect design, but I can definitely see with, with Samsung and LG and other phones making these larger end, um, uh, phones that, I can I can see why Apple would see the demand for that as well. So um, another thing is Uber Booking has been removed from Google Maps for Android, and Google Maps can no longer be used to book an Uber on Android. It brings the app in line with the iOS version, which lost this feature last summer. Google has had the ability to show price estimates and pick up wait times for ride-sharing apps for a while, but back in 2017, Uber alone gained the ability to actually book rides in Google Maps app by pulling up your account window and hailing your ride without ever leaving the app. But for whatever reason, Google has removed the feature from the Android app, demoting Uber back to the same level as other ride-sharing apps. So you'll still be able to see the estimated cost of different Uber rides in Maps, but you'll now have to go to the actual Uber app to finish the booking process. It's not clear why they've done it, but for what it's worth, Apple's uh, uh, Google's Alphabet's venture capital business has made a large investment in Lyft. Well, there you go. They're they're funding the company now. Um, yeah. So, mm, so if you use Google Maps for booking your Uber, that's gonna not something you're gonna be able to do in the near future. And uh, but in for good news for Android users. Android messages will now let you send text starting your computer from your computer starting yesterday. Uh, so basically, uh, Google is rolling out desktop browser support for Android messages, allowing people to use their PC for sending messages and viewing those that have been received on their Android smartphone. Google says the feature is starting to go out to users today and continuing for the rest of the week. Text, images, and stickers are all supported on the web versions. To get started, the Android Messages website as you scan a QR code using the Android Messages mobile app, which creates a link between the two. That's very similar to how the web client for Allo, remember Allo, apparently that was, I actually, I see, I think Allo is still on the Pixel 2. Um... And so it's very similar to how the web client for Allo worked, but unfortunately that section of messages isn't yet live. Hopefully it won't be long before it shows up and you can start chatting across platforms. So yeah, good news. If you want to use uh, Android messages on on uh, your computer, you can now. Um, so that's that's cool. It's something that too uh, people want from Apple. iCloud.com with uh, messages being part of iCloud now, people have actually wanted to see a, uh, a iCloud.com version of uh, messages where you can still access your um, iMessage and text people from your computer. Um, I don't think they would do that just because Apple is a closed system. So, and the the idea of being able to access iMessages on um, you know uh, a Windows computer is something that apple probably does not look um look for so and closing out the hour tech tuesdays uh closing out this episode we're going to be talking about tesla because an interesting thing happened apparently according to um according to an email reported um uh from cnbc who apparently obtained an email from uh from employees uh tesla ceo Elon Musk emailed his entire company just before midnight last night, or so just before midnight on June 17th at the time of this recording, um, and reported that an employee had been caught conducting damaging sabotage to our operations. Uh, the employee was allegedly found to have made direct code changes to Tesla's manufacturing system and sent large amounts of highly sensitive data to third parties. The employee has already been questioned by Tesla, and Musk says is continuing to investigate whether the employee was working with others. In his email, Musk questioned whether Wall Street short sellers 
oil and gas companies or the multitude of big gas diesel car companies competitors may have been involved. If they're willing to cheat so much about emissions, maybe they're willing to cheat in other ways, he wrote. Musk says the employee claims to have taken action because he didn't receive a promotion and in light and in light of these actions, not promoting him was definitely the right move. Um, Lord Squirrel says, corporate sabotage. It's that time of the day, isn't it? Yeah, I would, I would say so. It looks like it. Uh, it's corporate sabotage time somewhere. <laughs> um, and this morning, June 18th, the morning of June 18th, Musk emailed the entire company again, according to CNBC, to report another strange incident that there was a small fire on the production line. There were no injuries, but it stopped production for several hours, according to the email. It could be just a random uh, event, as former Intel CEO Andy Grove said, but only the paranoid survived, the email reads. Please be, on the alert, uh, please be on the alert for anything that's not in the best interests of our company. CNBC previously reported that the factory's paint shop has seen at least four fires in the past four months. Oh boy. Um, not, not, uh, not a good look if you're Tesla right now. Um, because Tesla is, as this article points out, under a lot of pressure right now to ramp up production on the Model 3, which lost last summer. The company was supposed to be making 5000 per week by the end of 2017. They missed that goal and missed another target at 2500 per week in April. Tesla was expected to make 3500 per week of June 5th, and it is said to uh, hit 5000 by the end of the month. So until Tesla hits that point, the company has said it will lose money on every car it makes. So they're restructuring, and it led to more than 3,000 layoffs, or about 9% of the company, um, around this time this year. So, yeah, Tesla's in a big, in a bit of a spot. Like, apparently there was a, a move to actually remove Elon Musk from, his, from one of his higher-end uh, positions. That move did not go through because he's still widely popular. Um, and is good for the company as like the face of it, but it's still kind of like, mm. um, it is concerning if you're Tesla right now that see all these things happening They're they're, they're not, they've not meet, met their goals that they wanted to hit. And now you have this going on corporate sabotage possibly. So it'll be interesting to see what the year goes. And apparently they have some must hit, uh, must hit like, they need to hit some of their goals otherwise they're not going to make it as a company is essentially what what i understand this so um their situation right now um so yeah uh i guess if you're religious keep tesla in your prayers if you're if you're a um a big fan of the company otherwise though um you know it'll be interesting to watch so and it'll, it'll be see how does how does tesla affect spacex since as uh since elon musk runs or is at least the face of both companies it'll be interesting to see if how tesla and spacex uh work together i'm not familiar with those things so um but yeah um that is all my stories that i have for the day it's almost like making insanely advanced cars is kind of hard yeah probably um so, yeah, eh. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. I want to see. I want to see Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk win because he seems to be a genuine good guy at heart. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I guess he also seems to be a little bit crazy at times too. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I've got about ten percent remaining on my watch battery. I have um, no stories left, so I think this is a good point to wrap up the podcast. So, yeah, um, for those of you listening on um, Anchor, this will be up. This is probably Wednesday, and uh, yeah, uh, pay attention to me on YouTube, I guess, because on days where I can't get to, um, it's the Apple Watch, not the iWatch. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're if you follow me on Anchor or stuff, and I don't seem to post an episode um, on the day that I want to, check out my YouTube. I may have a live stream scheduled because of yeah days like today where I couldn't get to recording like I wanted to. But uh, with with uh, out further ado, my name is Sir Cal. This has been Geek Source Entertainment Tech Tuesdays live. lot busier than I like to be but yeah see ya
Alright, so this episode is Tech Tuesday's episode 13. Uploading it uh, late here on Anchor, but that's because I was actually a live stream from last night. I didn't get around to actually making an episode like I wanted to yesterday, um, but I had some time at the end of the day. I had all the topics researched, and I was like, let's do another live stream. Why not? Um, this one was definitely a lot better. Um, I do have a few, or more than a few, rabbit holes that I go down. But uh, definitely a lot better than the first live stream I did where, for crying out loud, I opened the camera in the wrong angle. <laughs> so if you're watching on YouTube, you see like this blurry image for a second before it starts. I, I, I took my learning experience from the first one and actually did, a, I think, an okay live stream where I stayed on topic for the most part. Um, but yeah, so I hope you enjoy. Um, and uh, like I say, I think at the end of this, if I don't have an episode ready near the end of the day check out uh, my YouTube I may just be going live um, just because it is a little bit easier I don't have to worry about editing I don't have to worry about getting the audio right um, because it's live and whatever happens happens so um, yeah um, but yeah this is Sir Cal with Geek Source Entertainment I hope you enjoyed this episode <laughs>